Hi, everyone. It's Kate. I just wanted to mention MyPillow.com to you. You know, there's a lot of holidays and weddings and all kinds of things that we buy gifts for. And not to mention us. We buy things for ourselves. This is the best company for bedding. I mean, from everything from dog beds to pillows to sheets to towels to um, to stopping snoring. I mean, get the green pillow, get the blue pillow label from... Um, MyPillow.com. What an amazing company this is. And Mike Lindell is doing a heck of a job trying to inform everybody about the election fraud and actually have the proof there and show the the proof behind election fraud. Also, FrankSpeech.com. It's a censor-free Facebook. Go to MyPillow.com or you can call the number 800-873-1052. And make sure that you are ordering, put in the code Kate, get up to 40% off now. Oh my gosh, you guys, the products are that good. I'm telling you, I was shocked by them. I was seriously shocked. Make sure you support the show, Truth and Radio, Mike Lindell, and you're going to get great products. It's a great threefer. (laughs) Not a twofer, a threefer. Go to MyPillow.com and get up to 40% off right now. Do it. Thanks, you guys. Welcome to the Kate Daly Show. Millennials. That moment you realize that if we switch back to cursive and stick shift vehicles, we could cripple an entire generation within minutes. The show starts now. I was born in a cellar at home, delivered by Dr. McGraw. We had one bedroom for my sister, myself, and my parents. We had a half bath and a kitchen. Seven and a half years we lived in that place. There was no welfare. There was no food stamps. There was no safety net. But I always had plenty to eat. Because every time I asked for seconds, my dad would say, no, you had plenty. But the reason I was born with a silver spoon, my dad had only gone to the third grade. That's all the education he had. But why was I born with a silver spoon in my mouth? Because I was taught by my parents. The life's a matter of making choices. Wherever you are, good or bad, because of choices you make. Don't blame anybody else, but if you get an education, you're willing to work and overcome problems and difficulties. In this great country, you can amount to something. That's how I, that's why I was born with a silver spoon. I was in this country and I was taught personal responsibility for choices you made. I love it. You know, I played this a few times, as you know, uh, but there's a reason I played it in this hour today. Uh, so I will get there, I promise. But there's a reason. I want to, uh, I want to go over and I want to talk with you about a book I found that I just thought was so incredible. Um talking about uh, yesteryear. So uh, yesterday we talked a little bit about changes. Welcome to the Kate Daly Show, by the way. Uh, we talked about uh, changes and and can you prove to me all change is good because I'm not convinced it is. In fact, I think it's hard to find, be fine-pressed to find what things actually really helped us or made us happier. But I'm going to go back into yesteryear and maybe, you know, this show... One thing that I, one goal that I've really had with this show all along has been, I hope we all learn something every day. I hope we're all informed about something to do something better, um, to learn things we've never, ever heard before and bring facts to the, to the forefront and tell the truth about history. And so I hope that today's show uh, serves that up uh, in spades today, but we're going to be talking about a lot of things in this hour. Then Larry Clayman, um, former uh, Judicial Watch, will be on the show talking about the emails. 
uh, Fauci's emails. It's funny how the press is doing everything in their power not to talk about that. <laughs> Have you noticed? You know what they are talking about? My good old friend at the FBI, Frank uh, Figluzzi. Uh, oh, man. Uh, what, an, what an interesting fellow that guy is. Um, he is on the warpath today to uh, convict all of us low-level speed bumps, as he calls us, um, to go after the networks of domestic terrorism. Because we're all, we're all so dangerous. Yeah, that guy's a trip. What a lying fiasco that guy is. So I'm going to actually play an excerpt from the live, well, not the live. It was a recorded interview I did with him that I didn't play on air. But I'm going to actually play part of it in the last hour because I want you to hear how he lies to the public. <laughs> I just want you to, you've just got to hear this, uh, me uh, question him and him call me a liar over and over again. So I'll play that in the last hour. But um I wanted to mention Tom DeWeese tomorrow night, Thursday night. at, uh, And so if this ever plays on a rerun, know that uh, we are in uh, June. And so June the, the, uh, the 10th, I think, right? Am I right? I hope I'm remembering this right. Um, I think it's tomorrow. Yeah, it's tomorrow night, uh, 7 p.m. Red Lion, Tom DeWeese. Now, I've had him on the show. He's just so interesting to listen to. He brings up things that a lot of people don't know about. He talks about land rights a lot. You'll love him. And uh, he's fantastic in person. In person. In person. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Melissa's out today. So Larry Clayman will join me in the next hour. But uh, And then, of course, Susan in the following hour. You know, if you were listening to this news broadcast, wherever you're listening to the show from, um, the wing shortage, <laughs> chicken wings. Yeah, we're going to see some interesting shortages. So my, my question to you is, are you getting prepared? You know, last night I watched a video on wild lettuce. And I know you probably know what that is. So I'm probably preaching to the choir. But I actually wasn't aware of wild lettuce. I didn't know that uh, the Indians use that for an opiate. Um, so it was for pain, uh, as a painkiller. And you can actually grow that in the United States. And you can, uh, when you crack open the stems of it, because you might even have some growing around you didn't even know it um when you crack open the stems there's like a white substance in there and uh anyway you boil it down to a syrup and there's lots of um you know uh, people online doing these things uh showing you how to do it but i i uh i have been looking at a couple of books uh the lost ways and and different things like that but i and, and so we will be sharing that on the show because i find history really interesting you know that and i want to know what did they rely on what did people rely on because when i'm starting to see all these shortages because two things happen today one i'm seeing the shortages and two i'm seeing all the ufo headlines did you catch it did you catch the headlines you <laughs> here's the story UFOs aren't just real. They're capable of men by, uh, mind-bending feats of flight and have a keen interest in toying with the U.S. nuclear facilities. Wow, there are pretty smart UFOs out there that nobody really has any record of. Anyway, that's according to the intelligence official. I think he'll remain unnamed. Yep, yep, unnamed. Uh, tasked with investigating these phenomena. So I was, I was laughing at this because not only do we not know anything about UFOs, supposedly, and we've been, we've been covering this up for years, now they're starting to uncover it and tell us about it. Why? What sparked that? Just think about that in your head. Why did they suddenly go, well, let's just admit that we have UFOs, because I don't believe in them. 
personally. I believe that usually it's technology we've created, and we like to say it's it's in this different form and it's alien. And so uh, they're saying that they're capable of mind-bending feats of flight and a keen interest. Oh, I didn't know they knew so much about them that they knew what their keen interests were in towing with the U.S. nuclear facilities. Okay, I guess we're all supposed to believe that. Anyway, I just, wow. Uh, so all these stories are cropping up and all these things. And I kind of wanted to go back to yesteryear for a moment because I ran across this such an interesting book. So let's talk about this. And I also want to um, offer up to you to call in because I want to know what you think. And I want to know what family things you guys do that went all the way back to your grandma's grandma's grandma that you still do in your family. Because I always find those things kind of fascinating. But this book was from 18... 18- 1887. Now think about that. That Think about that time frame specifically, 1887. The reason I say that is this was the uh, White House cookbook. Okay. And so, you know, in all of my reading that I do, I come across things sometimes that other people talk about in the comment sections. And then it kind of, you know, I kind of go, ooh, I have not seen, I have not seen this little gem. What is the White House cookbook from 1887? And what does it say? And and what's in there that we could possibly, possibly learn from? Because I'm going to guess that there's probably many things we could prop, we could possibly learn from in this. And so, of course, um, as I'm as I'm looking at these things and I'm I'm perusing, I, I'm looking at this thing. It's online. You can actually read through the whole thing, and it's free. Okay. So this is the Gutenberg Project put this out, and what I found kind of uh, fascinating about this whole thing was that they did this in 1887 by Mrs. F. L. Gillette. It's now an ebook at no cost, uh, no restrictions, and it's the White House cookbook. So they put this together, and the things that are in this are kind of astounding, but they have a lot of chapter headings of things to peruse and, and look through. And one of them is, uh, and I mean, they talk about everything. For the sick, what they did, how they did it, kind of the rules to the White House, what they ate, just to kind of give you some historical context here. Um, We didn't used to eat dinner back then. We had, uh, well, we had dinner, I'm sorry, we had dinner in late afternoon and then we had a supper in the evening if you were still hungry, okay, in the late, in the later part of the evening. So, um, so they talked about what they made for Christmas dinner. And uh, all the way through Christmas Day. And they served fish at every single breakfast meal. So you had fish. You had mackerel or, or whatever, whatever they were serving up. But they also uh, did boiled uh, whitefish for dinner on Christmas dinner. And they did all of these different uh, plum puddings and canvas back duck and orange jelly and all kinds of crazy, crazy foods. Um, and also on uh, Thanksgiving, a lot of it, you know, they, they uh, did everything from turkey, but they also included uh, squirrel soup squirrel stew, all these different things, right? So I'm reading through this and they came up with all of these different facts, all of these different things that they thought were kind of fun facts worth knowing that you should know how to eat at the White House table, what manners were about, how to prevent mold, how to clean, how to uh, get rid of all these different ailments. And as I was thinking about these things, I was thinking that, you know, what a little treasure trove to have, because when we're looking back in this in this period of time, we tend to think that they didn't have uh, 
a lot of things that actually worked. And then we came along to save the day with big pharma and all of these different things. But that's not the case. That's just simply not the case. The things that they did, like to uh, destroy cockroaches, okay, for instance, uh, is it called hellebore, hellebore, uh, sprinkled on the floor at night. They eat it and they're poisoned. <laughs> and so all these different things that they that they did that uh, even even telling uh, women with their small hands how they should hold the silverware. I mean, you name it. I, so many cool things in this in this treasure trove of a book called the uh, White House Cookbook, 1887. Um, but they, I want to go through just a couple of things because there are some things that we could honestly learn from in this that I think that in the future, if we have shortages, if we have things happen here, if we have events that disrupt. These are going to be things that you can have on hand, you can keep, and and uh, and that you'll actually, I think, be better off for knowing these things, how they actually, uh, because I was actually surprised at some of this. They took on about everything you could, you could take on, and they were uh, teaching even cure for pimples. A teaspoonful of, of carbolic acid and one pint of rose water gets rid of them. Just don't let it get in your eyes. Completely gets rid of them. Gets rid of them. Carbolic acid, one teaspoonful, and a pint of rose water. Kind of interesting. It would be interesting right now to test all these things out and see what see where we land without all the chemicals and all the stuff that we deal with on a daily basis. But but this is going to be interesting. So heads up, the I, I would love your phone calls in. I want to hear if there's something that you do as a family that you still do that works and it's kind of from the way back machine. And I think, you know, as I was looking at some of these superfoods and different things, by the way, they do sell the wild lettuce extract in pills, in pill form. They do. Uh, You can actually get it. And people say it relieves all kinds of pain without having to go to opiates. And it actually helps you a lot better without all the side effects of opiates. But uh, call in. I want to hear what your remedies are. Be right back on The Kate Daly Show. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Along with Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. We took a little bacon and we took a little beans. And we caught the bloody British in a town in New Orleans. We fired our guns and the British kept coming. There wasn't as many as there was a while ago. We fired once more and they began to run. On down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. Hey, Dally, show at your service and uh, get over to Caldwell Banker Property Management. Those guys are the very best at what they do, uh, I'd say, in the whole entire uh, valley. If you have an investment property, those are the guys to go to. They're going to take care of the contracts, the rental, the everything that has to be done. They're going to do all the dirty work. <laughs> you love it? And you get to go play. Uh, but they really they really will work hard for you. They are fantastic at what they do and highly, highly recommended by everyone that does uh, that does business with them. Uh, let me just tell you, uh, just what a rating they have. It's awesome. So make sure and get over to Caldwell Banker Property Management. And uh, and those are the guys to take care of business for you for sure. And uh, CB, uh, St. George, I think it's stgeorgerentals.com. For some reason, it's not pulling up. Anyway, uh, they are just incredible. Caldwell Banker Property Management. And then, of course, get over to Tropical Pool and Spa and get your swim spa, get your, uh, get your gosh, my gosh, get your hot tub, you name it. Uh, you're going to love those guys. Plus, you're just going to feel so good having it. And you can actually lower the temperature of your hot tub in the uh, summer months if you want. And it's kind of a mini pool. 
It's nice. It's like some place to just kind of uh, relax, you know? Uh, it's just awesome. So make sure you get over to Tropical Pool and Spa on Red Hills uh, Parkway, too. Um, and yes, it is cbstgeorgerentals.com uh, for Caldwell Banker. So um, let me, this is so uh, fun to me. So I want to take a little, I, I just want to depart a little bit from politics for a moment because the rest of the show is going to be heavy. So let's lighten it up, shall we? So they talked about getting a cold, and I found this to be so funny because uh, this was the White House cookbook from 1887. You can get it online, totally free. And uh, all you have to do is Google it. Uh, and it'll come up, and there's all these headings and old recipes and all kinds of things. I mean, they even mention some things like get a cent's worth of, like, in money, you know, get a cent, uh, you know, one cent, one cent worth of, of whatever ingredient it was. So they, they, they talked about getting colds, and I just had to tell you guys about this. Um, so much common sense, because today I saw the, the sign that somebody had made for the pool, and it was, face, don't, do not wear face masks in the water. You can drown, you know. And I thought, how stupid. Can you imagine the guy's face when they sent the order in to get the sign printed? Uh, you want me to print this on a sign? Okay, anyway. So, how colds are caught by the White House cookbook, 1887. A great many cannot see why it is they do not take a cold when exposed to cold winds and rain. The fact is, and ought to be more generally understood, that nearly every cold is contracted indoors and is not directly due to the cold outside, but to the heat inside. A man will go to bed at night feeling as well as usual and get up in the morning with a royal cold. He goes peeking around in search of cracks and keyholes and tiny drafts. Weather strips are are procured and the house might be as tight as a fruit can. (laughs) In a few days, more the uh, whole family will have colds. Let a man go home tired or exhausted, eat a full supper of starchy and vegetable food, occupy his mind intently for a while, go to bed in a warm, close room, and if he doesn't have a cold in the morning, it'll be a wonder. A drink of whiskey or a glass or two of beer before supper will facilitate matters very much. People swallow more colds down their throats than they inhale or receive from contact from the air. Boy, a great lesson for today, right? No matter how cold or chilly it may be. Plain, light suppers are good to go to bed on and are far from uh, conducive to refreshing uh, sleep than a glass of beer or a dose of coral. In the estimation of, of a great many, this statement is rank heresy, but in the light of science, common sense, and experience, it is gospel truth. Pure air is strictly essential to maintain perfect health. And if a person is accustomed to sleeping with the windows open there, but little danger of taking cold winter or summer, persons that shut up the windows to keep out the night air make a mistake. For at night, the only air we breathe is night air, and we need good air while asleep as much or even more than at any other time of the day. Ventilation can be accomplished by simply opening the window an inch at the bottom and also at the top and thus letting the pure air in, the bad air going outward to the top. I loved this. Wasn't this great? Um, clothes that have been worn through the day should be changed for fresh ones to dry in, uh, to sl- or, or, or dry ones to sleep in. And uh, uh, three points of moisture filled with the waste of the body are given off every 24 hours. Uh, and this is mostly absorbed by the clothing. So sunlight and exposure to the air purify the clothing of the poisons which nature is trying to dispose of and uh, which would otherwise be brought again into contact with the body. Amazing, right? They also said, keep an open glass of water in the house to attract all the toxins into the water. 
interesting. Every night you should go to bed. You should have an open glass of water. Isn't that interesting? Um, so here were some of their bullet points. How to keep well. Don't sleep in a drought. Don't go to bed with cold feet. Don't stand over hot air registers. Don't eat what you do not need just to save it. Don't try to get cool too quickly after exercising. Don't sleep in a room without ventilation of some kind. Don't stuff a cold lest you should uh, be next obliged to starve a fever. Don't sit in a damp or chilly room without a fire. And don't try to get along without flannel underclothing in winter. Seems easy, right? (laughs) They also said to cure hoarseness, which I have to deal with a lot with this job. Borax has proved the most effective remedy in certain forms of colds. In sudden hoarseness or loss of voice in public speakers or singers from colds, relief for an hour or so may be obtained by slowly dissolving and partially swallowing, just partially, a lump of borax the size of a garden pea. And about three or four grains held in the mouth for 15 to t- 10 to 15 minutes before speaking or singing. This produces profuse secretion of saliva or watering of the mouth and throat, just as wetting brings back the missing notes to a flute when it's dry. I bet you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> it's so fun. Uh, so they also went into, uh, into uh, toothache. They said the worst toothache coming from the teeth may be speed- speedily or delightfully ended by the application of a bit of clean cotton saturated in a solution of ammonia to the defected tooth. Sometimes the late sufferer is prompted to momentary laughter by the application, <laughs> but the pain will disappear. That's funny. Anyway, um, and a loom reduced to a power powder. You know, you can buy a loom like in the with the seasonings. They have a loom, A L U M. Um, I actually, uh, my son-in-law uses this for canker sores. He puts a loom right on the canker sore. But a teaspoon of the powder and an equal quantity of fine salt mixed applied to the gums by dipping your moistened finger in the mixed powder and also putting some on the tooth and rubbing the gums scarcely ever fails to cure. I bet you didn't know that. See, these are just household things that you could have on hand no matter what, no matter what happens, um, and also keep in, in maybe some of your, you know, prepping areas of your home as well, right? Alum and, uh, or alum, alum, and I don't even know how it's pronounced. And then, of course, ammonia, if you needed that, uh, to cure an earache. Take a bit of cotton batting, put it on a pinch of black pepper, gather it up, tie it up, dip it in sweet oil, and insert it in the ear. Put a flannel bandage over the head to keep it warm. Gives immediate relief. Who knew? Um, They also talked about burns, and they talked about uh, the paper that comes from the butcher um, going over the burn. And they also talked about a piece of uh, cotton wadding uh, spread with butter or sweet oil and bound on the burn instantly. Will draw out pain without leaving a scar. I thought that was interesting. So it wasn't burns. It was uh, the butcher paper was for the stop of the flow of blood. Sorry. Because they said for a slight cut, there's nothing better to control the hemorrhage than common unglazed brown wrapping paper, such as used by the grocers, and a piece to be bound over the wound. A handful of flour bound on the cut, cobwebs and brown sugar all pressed together will help stop blood flow. If you were to... uh, Cut an artery, cut it, cut something, you know, um, and you were bleeding. They also uh, they also talked about grandmother's cough syrup, and they called it grandmother. So I'm guessing this was like 1814. <laughs> Take a pound of dry whorehound 
herbs, one pot of red pepper, four tablespoons of ginger, boil all three quarts of water, uh, boil in, you know, three quarts of water, then strain, add one teaspoon of good fresh tar and a pound of sugar. Boil slowly and stir often until it's reduced to one quart of syrup. When cool, you bottle it up for use and you take one or two teaspoons four to six times a day. Um, also, uh, sh- they talked about grandmother's universal liniment in the White House cookbook in 1887. They said one pint of alcohol as much as camphor gum as can be dissolved, half an ounce in an oil of cedar, half, uh, one half ounce of an oil of sassafras, <laughs> aqua ammonia, half an ounce, and the same amount of tincture of morphine. Well, I would imagine that would work. <laughs> so shake well together, apply by the fire. Uh, the liniment must not be heated or come into contact with the fire. And they said at the, uh, at the bottom of this page, they said these recipes of grandmothers are all old tried medicines and are all more effectual than most of those that are advertised as they have been thoroughly tried and proved reliable. And I thought that was funny as we were talking about technology yesterday <laughs> and all the changes that we've made. Are they really that great? Are we really happy from all this technology or is it making us more stupid and lazy? And so I was kind of laughing at that because they were worried about the advertisements of the day in 1887. They said warm borax water will remove dandruff, that salt should be eaten with nuts because you can better digest the nuts if you eat them with salt. Did you know that? Interesting. Um, That if you're sewing clothes, you need to change your position frequently that a little soda water will relieve sick headache caused by indigestion. A cup full of strong coffee will remove the odor of onions from the breath. And well-ventilated bedrooms will prevent morning headaches. Fascinating, right? A cup full of hot water drank before meals will relieve nausea. And that a fever patient can be made cool and comfortable by frequently sponging off with soda water. They used it a lot. Baking soda. That uh, consumptive night sweats may be arrested by sponging the body nightly in salt water. And that one in a faint should be laid on his back, then loosen his clothing and let him alone. The, uh, to beat the whites of eggs quickly, add a pinch of salt. Salt cools and, and uh, cold eggs uh, froth rapidly. They also said use eggs for, uh, uh, for dysentery. And as I was reading through this, I just thought, wow, you know, there are so many things in here that we never talk about as a populace. Right. Because we always think whatever we can go grab at the store is always going to be better. But it said hot water is better for cold for bruises. It remains pain. uh, It relieves pain quickly. And by preventing congestion, often keeps the ugly black and blue mark from appearing. Children cry for it, they said, when they experience the relief, it affords their bumps and bruises. So hot water on a bruise takes away the marking of a bruise. And for sprained ankles... Yep, the whites of eggs <laughs> and powdered, is it alum? Alum, alum, uh, made into a plaster is almost a specific. When I come back, I want to talk about what they said spinach does. And I also want to talk about some of their manners, the rules they had at the White House, um, how to sit at the table. So funny. And uh, I love this book. I thought, what a little treasure trove. You could actually print this out. 
There's no restrictions on it whatsoever because it's so old. <laughs> so, 1887, the White House cookbook, no less. Uh, I was reading a comment by a woman who actually had the hard copy of this still in her family. Uh, so, I thought that was kind of amazing. Very brittle now, but the hard copy, nonetheless. The White House cookbook, 1887. Be right back on The Kate Daly Show. Lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. With an eye like an eagle and as tall as a mountain was he. Daniel Boone was a man. Yes, a big man. He was brave, he was fearless, and as tough as a mighty old tree. You guys remember this show? (laughs) Uh, Welcome back, Kate Daly Show. Make sure you get over to Garage Doors Only. Uh, Daniel Boone, the ballad of Daniel Boone. Uh, Anyway, Garage Doors Only on 689 North Bluff, St. George, uh, 435-868. So just go 868-1200. So easy. And uh, get your garage door from these guys. I highly recommend them. They did such a great job on mine. And let me just tell you, they uh, they know what they're doing. They're fast. Their technicians are awesome. Uh, they're clean. They're in and out of there. They know what they're doing. And they have a five-star rating. They've been in operation since 1999. And, uh, of, of course, uh, Best of Southern Utah, past two years in a row, for a reason. They really are that good. I can attest to it. So garage doors only uh, bypass the big box stores. They get enough business, don't they? And uh, and make sure that you're going and serving up, uh, you know, and having these businesses, uh, the local businesses help you out. There's something to be said for that. And it's called community. And I love it. So please, by all means, make sure that uh, that you're going to garage doors only. Also, Dr. Diet, if you're looking at losing some weight, as we are heavily warned in the White House cookbook in 1887, uh, to keep trim and slim, uh, just uh, just make sure that you get over to Dr. Diet if you're looking at losing some weight. These are the best people to go to. You're finally going to get it done. People off the air have asked me, I know, are you really going to lose the weight, though? I mean, because I've tried and tried. No, this is when I really did lose the weight was when I went to Dr. Diet. So I'm just telling you they'll do a free body scan and uh, free. You can just walk in, free body scan, and tell you right where you're at, and they'll work with you on which diet is best for you and what you should be doing with all kinds of tools, B12 shots, all kinds of things to help you um, to really kickstart your metabolism. So get to Dr. Diet, 628-DIET is the phone number. So back to the uh, White House, White House. If you're looking at making squirrel soup, let's just say it's Hunger Games and you have just uh, you have just been so lucky as to find a squirrel. Uh, Wash and quarter three to four good sized squirrels. Put them on with a small tablespoon of salt directly after breakfast in a gallon of cold water. Cover the pot close and set it on the back part of the stove to simmer, not boil. And vegetables, just the same you do in case of other meat soups in the summer season, but especially good when you will find corn, Irish potatoes, tomatoes, and lima beans. Strain the soup through a coarse colander when the meat has boiled to shreds. Oh, gosh, I think I just threw up. Uh, As to get rid of the squirrel's troublesome little bones. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Then return to the pot, and after boiling a while longer, hmm, yummy, thicken the piece of butter. Uh, rubbed in flour, celery and parsley leaves chopped up 
are also considered an improvement by many. Toast two slices of bread, cut them into dice, uh, one half inch squares, fry them in butter and put them on the bottom of your tureen and then pour the boiling, the soup, uh, pour the soup boiling hot upon them. Very good, they wrote. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, (laughs) I don't know that I'd be doing that. But they also said in this cookbook, spinach has a direct effect upon complaints of the kidneys. The common dandelion used as greens is excellent for the same kind of trouble. Asparagus purifies the blood. I've actually known that for a long time. Um, that's why urine uh, urine smells after you eat asparagus as it's taking the, the toxins with it. Anyway, uh, urine acts, uh, or sorry, celery acts admirably upon the nervous system. Celery for the nervous system and a cure for rheumatism uh, is celery. Tomatoes act upon the liver. Beets and turnips are excellent appetizers. Lettuce and cucumbers are cooling in their effects upon the system. Lettuce and cucumbers. Beans are a very nutritious and strengthening vegetable. Onions, garlic, leeks, and and chives and shallots, all of which are similar, they said, possess medicinal virtues of a marked character stimulating the circulatory system. And the, and the consequent increase of the saliva and gastric juice promoting digestion. And red onions are an excellent diuretic. And the white ones are recommended raw as a remedy for insomnia. They are uh, tonic, uh, nutritious, and a soup made from onions is regarded by the French as an excellent restorative indebility uh, uh, of the digestive organs. So we might go through the entire list, they said, and find each vegetable possessing its special mission of cure. And it will be plain to every housekeeper that a vegetable diet should be partly adopted and will prove of great advantage to the healthy of the family. I thought that was really interesting because I know, um, you know, LDS, we, we talk, you know, about eating uh, fruits and, and vegetables in their season. And uh, we have a thing called the word of wisdom. And it's, it's really just about uh, it's about being healthy. Right. Um, eating more meat in 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 times of, of winter and, and famine, um, probably not at every single meal, things like that. I don't know if anyone follows that portion of it, but uh, people seem to remember the alcohol and tobacco thing, but not this other this other part of it. But I thought that that was interesting when it talked about all the vegetables and citing all of the things that they were good for and uh, and how wonderful they coordinate with our body. You know, God made a really wonderful world, didn't he? So they also talked about death to bugs and troublesome ants. And I've thought about this before because, you know, if you're prepping for the future, you want to know, you know, what's going to happen when all the uh, the little varmints come out, you know, and and we have problems with trash and little critters and all kinds of things. So they said for ants, and I did know this one, a heavy chalk line um, actually around, uh, they said, laid a finger's distance from your sugar box and all around don't leave any space not covered. That chalk needs to go all the way around. Will surely prevent ants from troubling because it does. It kind of coerces them to go a different way, which is very interesting. Um, a cure for a hiccup. You ready? Uh, sit erect and inflate the lungs fully. Then retaining the breath, bend forward slowly until the chest meets the knees. And after slowly arising again, right, sitting upright, slowly exhale the breath. You'll get rid of. You'll get rid of them. Isn't that interesting? 
They also said death to bugs. Varnish is the death to the most persistent bug. It is cheap. Ten cents worth will do uh, for one uh, bedstead. Easily used, safe, and improves the looks of furniture when it's applied. The application must, however, though, be thorough. The slats, sides, and every crack and corner receiving attention. And to banish rats from the premises, because that was bugs, varnish for bugs. To banish rats, use pounded glass mixed with dry cornmeal placed within their reach, sprinkling cayenne pepper in their holes to banish them. But they would eat the dry cornmeal with glass in it and die. I thought that was, wow, I had not heard that one before. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I wanted to uh, to tell you about that. They also said to make a tough meat tender, lay it a few minutes in strong vinegar water. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, and so I, you get to kind of the the part where they talk about what good taste is, okay, and how you should how you should act. It said, do not insist upon your guests partaking of particular dishes. Do not ask persons more than once and never force a supply upon their plates. It is ill-bred, though common, to press anyone to eat. And moreover, it is a great annoyance to many. <laughs> I thought that's so true. <laughs> In winter, they said plates should always be warmed but not made hot. Two kinds of animal food and, or two kinds of dessert should never be eaten off of one plate. And there should never be more than two kinds of vegetables with one course. I thought that was kind of interesting, too. Um, And uh, all meat should be cut across the grain in very, very thin slices. Um, Fish at dinner should be baked or broiled, never fried. And baked ham should be used in every course after fish. This is 1887, you guys. Cookbook. Um, All right, I'll I'll take a caller. Hi, caller. Welcome to the show. Go right ahead. Um, I was just listening, and I want to throw in a couple things sure. to think of. Okay. Um, for for ants, for uh-huh. real, uh-huh. Um, cinnamon powder. Oh. The, the spice, the ground cinnamon. Yeah. Okay. It's, cinnamon is toxic to them, and so if you put a little line in your windowsill or mm-hmm. at, at the threshold of your door, it's harder for them to come in, and okay. if you put it straight on the ant hill, it will kill the ant hill. Excellent. I like that. Okay. All right. Uh, anything okay. else? The reason, yeah. the reason why vinegar works on tough meat to soften it, uh-huh. it's the acid in it. Okay. Tomato does the exact same thing. Sure. Hmm. Okay. All right. I love that because, yes, that's why I put stewed tomatoes in my roast. Okay. And uh, <laughs> it's like an old German thing. All right. I love it. Anything else? Yeah. Um. Not that I can think of, but those, those two just stood out to me and I'm like, I know hey. the answer. I know the answer. Quickly, quickly. I love that. I love it. Hey, thank you for that. Really appreciate this. You're welcome. I love that. Uh, they also said uh, slicing pineapples. I never knew this. A knife used for peeling a pineapple should never be used for also slicing that same pineapple. You should always use a different one because as the rind contains an acid, it is apt to cause a swollen mouth and sore lips. So I thought that was kind of interesting. They said the Cubans use salt as an antidote for the ill effects of having that happen to you. If somebody were to use the same knife to, you know, slice the outside down of the uh, pineapple, the rind, and then, of course, use the same knife to slice it. I didn't know that you were supposed to do that. They also said uh, to take ink out of linen, because you know how ink can get on your, your tablecloths. Dip the ink spot in pure melted tallow, then wash out the tallow and the ink will come out. Interesting. 
Um, I did the pimples one, and and uh, and then also uh, there was this. This was really funny. This is the just think about the White House dinner table because that's what they were talking about. There is no position uh, where the innate refinement of a person is more fully exhibited than at the table. And nowhere that those who have not been trained in table etiquette feel more keenly their deficiencies. The knife should never be used to carry food to the mouth, but only to cut it up into small mouthfuls. Then place it upon the plate at one side and take the fork in the right hand and eat all the food with it. When both have been used finely, they should be laid diagonally across the plate. You're never supposed to cross them the knife and the fork, you're supposed to lay them diagonally across the plate with both handles toward the right hand. And this is understood by well-trained waiters to be the signal for removing the plate. Be careful to keep the mouth shut closing uh, closely while chewing the food. It is open. uh, It is the opening of the lips, which causes the smacking, which seems very disgusting. (laughs) This is what they wrote. Chew your food well, but do it silently and be careful to take small mouthfuls. The knife can be used to cut the meat finely as large pieces of meat are not healthful and appear very indelicate. At many tables, two to three or more knives or forks are placed at the table. The knives at the right hand of the plate, the forks at the left, um, and knife and a fork for each course. So there'll be no need to replace them. The smaller ones, which are for game, dessert, or for hot cakes at breakfast can be tucked under the edges of the plate and the large ones for meat and vegetables to be placed on the outside. Be be very careful not to clatter your knife and fork upon your plate, but use them without a noise. When passing a plate for a second helping, lay them together one side of the plate with handles to the right. When you are helped to anything, do not wait until the rest of the company are provided. And it is not considered good breeding. Soup is always served for the first course and should be eaten with dessert spoons. They go on and on. Um, without any sound, eat without any sound of the lips and not sucked into the mouth audibly. <laughs> Bread should not be broken into a soup or gravy. Never ask to be helped to a soup a second time. Um, And then also um, talking about drinking it sparingly when seating yourself at the table, unfold your napkin, lay it across your lap so it won't slide on the floor. A gentleman puts it across his right knee. Do not tuck it in to your neck like a child's bib. For an old person, however, it is well to attach a napkin to a napkin hook and slip it into the vest or dress buttonholes to protect the garments. Um, and so they, they go on and on and they talk about a woman's, uh, small hands, um, as if it's too big for their little hands, you have to uh, hold the, the knife, uh, halfway down at its length. Um, because, uh, they said, otherwise you'll look awkward. And at the conclusion of the course, uh, they are, you know, the, the knife and the fork are laid across never, I mean, laid side by side, never crossed. And I thought this was so funny that the whole thing, they, they go on and on and on about manners at the, at the white house dinner table and how this is the etiquette of the, of the century. And I agree. Some of the same rules still apply, don't they? And then also this was a treasure trove for ailments for, um, boy, you name it recipes galore. I mean, this thing is chocked full of recipes, but there's so much on here that I found that I learned about what they were thinking at the time, 
how they uh, how they kind of dealt with just about everything you can imagine. They spent most of their day preparing the meals. So I thought that that was, uh, it was just an interesting look at history. It's called the White House Cookbook. It's, um, it's also a project, uh, the project uh, Gutenberg. Gutenberg.org did this project where they uh, popped this online as an ebook and it's free to everybody. And you should see the stuff in here. You'll, it's a hoot going through it because you'll laugh at some of the things. They're, they're very interesting to read about. Um, just kind of gives you that glimpse into the 1800s. So I'll be right back. Larry Clayman uh, will be my guest, uh, formerly of Judicial Watch. Be right back on the emails, Fauci emails. Don't go anywhere. KateDallyRadio.com for this podcast.